Welcome to the June edition of Money Letter on Markets. I'm Brian Kelly, publisher of the Money Letter, and I'll be your host for this month's podcast. We're going to do a few things today. We're going to start with an article from our sister company, Asset Strategy, which was released last week. The title is, You've Decided to Sell Your Property, Now What? After that, we're going to introduce a featured fund of the week to you. We'll give you a a little... uh, Sneak preview, it's Vanguard U.S. Growth Investor. We'll tell you a little bit more about that fund. We'll go through a summary of what's in the June issue of Money Letter. And then we'll wrap things up with upcoming events. We've got a webinar that's coming up in June, so we'll mention that. So the first thing we're going to do is read the article that's called, You've Decided to Sell Your Property, Now What? As a property owner, You took a hard look at your financial situation, goals, and options, and concluded that you should sell your property. Ultimately, we know how difficult that decision is. It may be a primary residence that had a major personal significance to you and your family, or maybe a rental condo that provided income for many years. However, you may have found that the financial benefits of selling the property may now be greater than keeping it. Now it's time to understand the next piece of the puzzle in selling your property, the costs. Understand the costs of selling your property. Selling a property can be an exciting and rewarding endeavor. However, it's essential for sellers to be aware of the various costs involved in the process to avoid any surprises. In this article, we will explore the different costs associated with selling a property, including capital gains taxes, closing costs, and various fees such as broker fees. Capital gains taxes. When selling a property, one of the primary expenses that homeowners need to consider is capital gains tax. Capital gains tax is the tax levied on the profit made from selling a property that has increased in value since it was purchased. In the United States, the current long-term capital gains tax rates for individuals are 0%, 15%, or 20% depending on the individual's taxable income and filing status. It's important to note that these rates apply only to properties held for more than one year. For properties held less than a year, the short-term capital gains tax rate is equal to the individual's ordinary income tax rate. Closing costs. Closing costs are another significant expense involved in selling a property. These costs typically include fees for a variety of services required to complete the sale, such as title search, title insurance, attorney's fees, recording fees, and transfer taxes. Closing costs can vary depending on the property's location and the specific services utilized, but they generally range from between 2 and 5% of the property sale price. Broker fees. Lastly, when selling a property, homeowners often enlist the help of a real estate agent or broker to facilitate the process. In return for their services, brokers typically charge a commission fee, which is usually a percentage of the property sale price. Broker fees can vary, but they generally range between 5 and 6% of the sale price. Some brokers may also charge additional fees for marketing and other services, so it's essential for sellers to discuss and understand the complete fee structure before hiring a broker. How will these costs stack up for you? 
Your North Star for evaluating the benefits of selling your property will be based on whether or not these costs outweigh the profit from selling your property. However, if you plan to replace your property with a new residence or income generating property, evaluating the benefits carries more complex questions. In the future, we will discuss the potential costs and benefits of purchasing a new property. Stay tuned. Okay, now we're going to move on to the Money Letter Featured Fund of the Week. And our featured fund is Vanguard U.S. Growth Investor. The ticker symbol is V as in Victor, W-U-S-X. This fund is a domestic stock fund, and it falls in the large cap growth category. For the year to date so far through May 30th, the fund is up 23.5%. That's well above the S&P 500. And for a 10-year return, which is annualized, it's up 13% per year. I guess we can see why the top five holdings as of March 31st are Apple, 8.1%, Microsoft, 8.1%, Amazon, 5.2%, NVIDIA, 4.5%, and Tesla, 3.3%. All of these tech stocks have been flying, as you well know, and have pushed the market ahead uh, recently. The fund, Vanguard U.S. Growth Investor, is ranked number 16 out of 344 domestic stock funds on our Money Letter Fund scorecard, and it's a new holding in our Vanguard Conservative and Vanguard Venturesome models. So if you don't know much about that fund, check it out. It's Vanguard U.S. Growth Investor, VWUSX. The third thing we'd like to do today is go through a summary of the June issue of Money Letter. And in this issue on pages one and two, which is our market analysis section, we talked about the case for a safe land, excuse me, a soft landing and how the data is pointing to that. And we also touch on how the market has surged at the beginning of June based on the debt ceiling resolution. So there's some good information there. On pages three, four, and five, we have our model portfolios, which give you the returns for the month of May and year to date. Uh, And that's for the conservative, moderate, and venturesome models. And we have three of each of those. One is an all-family model, which you could typically trade at Schwab or TD Ameritrade um, or any discount brokerage, really. And the other two, uh, one is a Fidelity only and a Vanguard only uh, for those of you that like to um, do business with those fund companies. On pages 6 through 10, we have comprehensive mutual fund data on hundreds of funds and ETFs. And you've got multiple time periods for a total return and our proprietary ranking of these funds. And we highlight the funds that are in our model portfolios. On page 11, we have the cautious investor corner, which lists the top yielding money market funds, which are now way more interesting than they used to be with interest rates going up. Uh, For instance, one of the general purpose taxable money funds is paying over 5% right now for basically a no risk fund. We also have information on multi-year guaranteed annuities and what those rates are. 
So those are in our cautious investor corner. And then on page 12, we have a risk reduction article by my asset strategy colleague, Peter Doherty. This is a discussion of how an investor may want to transition their portfolio from a stock-heavy portfolio to fixed income or other types of safer investments. And right now, we're going to give you an audio replay of the interview I did recently with Peter Doherty. Good afternoon, everyone. The 2023 June issue of Money Letter starts with our Investing Strategies article. Today, I've invited Peter Doherty to join us. Pete's a financial consultant for Money Letter's sister company, Asset Strategy. And he wrote this month's page 12 article, and it's entitled The Risk Reduction Ideas for Today's Higher Interest Rate World. Thanks for joining us, Pete. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Um, Pete. You said in the article that transitioning to less risky investments can be a good strategy for retirees and accumulation investors. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, so the dynamic has recently changed, right, with the rising interest rates. You know, we've all gotten used to, for the past, at least in recent memory, 15, 20 years, interest rates being, you know, really not offering you too much. Uh, you know, and now we're, we're sitting at, you know, 20 year high or thereabouts. And uh, so fixed income has become a lot more attractive for a number of different reasons and, you know, for, for a variety of different investors. Uh, we're talking about money funds as well as bonds too, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah all, all of the above. And so it's a good time, you know, with uh, if you look at the valuations in the public equity market, you know, there's some debate about, you know, where that's where that's going to head, whether they're fairly valued or not. Uh, there is an opportunity here to take some risk off the table for certain conditions. Okay. Um, we, we know that taxes are always important to our subscribers and they're an important consideration during retirement. Um, I read in the article a little bit about a direct index portfolio. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how that serves as a tax saving vehicle? Yeah, so for, for the equity portion of your portfolio, you know, we always want to be, uh, you know, wary of tax considerations when we're investing in all cases. Uh, what this product allows you to do is to direct in, invest into into individual stocks in a broad-based portfolio, but also automatically do tax loss harvesting within that. So if you, you know if you're thinking about investing, you always want to think about the exit, right? So you know we're accumulating all this wealth, but when we go to use it, what's left? Uh, with a direct indexing portfolio, that can provide a, you know provide a variety of of options when you have to go and, and withdraw your money. Uh, to offset any kind of capital gains that you you may experience at that time. So that's that that's interesting. And does that so that product does some of the tax saving, in essence, for you, right? It does. Yeah. And there's a variety of, of ways you can use it and, and leverage it. You can use it to you know strictly offset gains within your uh, within that portfolio that's grown, or you can also use it in uh, cases of maybe a Roth conversion. Or if you've exited from a business, you can use some of the, the capital gains losses from your uh, from your direct indexing portfolio to offset some of the gain in the business gain. Uh, so we can get pretty creative with it. it sounds like we could do some uh, follow up on an individual basis if if any of our subscribers want to talk to you about that. Of course. Um, as you know, Money Letter's been recommending floating rate funds uh, for a while, the bank loan funds. Do you think those are still a smart play given interest rates right now? Yeah, we still look at those as maybe a part of your portfolio. And I think diversification is always important. 
uh, if you look at the strategic, you know, the reason that you would initially incorporate those into your portfolio, it's for uh, that rising interest rate environment to, to protect against, you know, uh, you know, a duration risk, really. And at this point, you know, you could you could place a bet. It looks like the interest rates are going to slow down in terms of rising, maybe flatten or even go go down in the future. But that's that's also, you know, that's a that's a prediction and you never know what's going to happen. So I think it still makes sense to have them in, incorporated. But maybe if you've been positioned on more of an overweight, then you start pulling back a little bit. Yeah. We're talking about the Fed pause that we've been mentioning in Money Letter and then uh, after that, potentially cuts maybe later in 2023 or into 2024. Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, that's great information, Pete. Thank you very much. Um, if you'd like to learn more about transitioning your portfolio to a lower risk profile, you can contact us at Money Letter, and we'll put you in touch with Pete or one of our other advisors here. Uh, we've got very knowledgeable money managers that can help you with any of these questions. As far as the June issue is concerned, don't uh, miss the page one article that we did, which talks about the case for the soft economic landing. And you'll also find updated statistics for May on our model portfolios and all the funds and ETFs that we track. We'd like to thank you very much for being a subscriber to Money Letter. If you don't subscribe to Money Letter, all you have to do is go to our website, moneyletter.com, and click the subscribe button. And there are options on there. We're actually running a special this month on six-month terms that are 15% off. So if you're interested in that, you can take a look at that. You can also join our free investor group, Money Letter Friends. Uh, there's a lot of good information on that. comes out. We send two emails each week. Um, and that's free. So you can join that as well. So that's it for this month, folks. Thank you very much uh, for joining the Money Letter on Markets podcast. Once again, I'm Brian Kelly. I appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you again next month.